Scott and his wife Donna have recently joined our church about a year ago, a little a year in August, and we're grateful to have them. Uh, they've been faithful members, and he was a school principal in Texas, and then he's serving as a school principal here also, and we're just grateful to have them. But he's going to lead us in our Father's Day prayer. So to start off, I'm going to do a dad joke. I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> I, I have gotten good at dad jokes, and my kids have said I've pretty much hit the pinnacle, where maybe one out of every hundred is funny. But... Uh, <laughs> So today's a day to love our dads and to remember fathers and and to remember that ultimately that God is our father and he is with us. But uh, Scott's going to lead us in prayer and this is our time to bring prayers to our father. Amen. Let's pray this morning. Father and God, we do love you and we want to consecrate this time and just dedicate it to you, the good and perfect father. Lord, we thank you for the good gift of family, um, acknowledging that that's your idea from of old. Like that didn't just happen, that, you, that was by design, and that you created that construct of family to show us parts of yourself. And we just thank you for being the good father, the one that is sacrificial and is giving and loving. And even when we does rightfully deserve to be corrected and chastened and disciplined that you do it with a firm but loving hand lord in our world here um, i pray for our fathers that are sitting in the midst of us here i pray for families where there's not a father present anymore um, like mine and i just thank you for the good and godly influence of those fathers but i also want to acknowledge that we're flawed and we just try to follow your example and we do our best, but we fall short. And so um, I pray for those who are in a time of loss or, or who look back on earthly fathers that were far, far from perfect. But that in itself draws us to a point of looking toward you. That begs us to look toward your example and your word of the perfect father. And so while we inhabit this place, this sinful place called earth, we just want to try to do your will, and we want to model that sacrificial service, and we want to try to, to lead rightly, uh, lead our families rightly, knowing that we're going to sin and we're going to fall short and we're going to make mistakes, but that we would also do our best um, to point people toward you and to lead our families well, that we would be that example of godliness uh, in our own imperfect way, stumbling forward step by step, that we would show our families, our, our kids, and our even those that we become knit to that aren't biologically family, that we would show them uh, your spirit and your love, that we would always seek to understand before uh, being understood, and that we would always live in a posture of uh, understanding and knowing that we are first and foremost sinner and only second sinned against. And if we would do that, we would be able to be a testimony to a family that transcends what happens here on earth, a family that goes beyond into the unknown, but one of which we have hope. And so I pray that over us today. We just love you. We praise you. We promise and, and covenant to give you all the honor and glory in everything that we do. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.
Hear the word of God from Esther chapter 4 and Psalm 106. You can follow along on the screen or in your Bible. Psalm 106, 40 to 48. Therefore the Lord was angry with his people and abhorred his inheritance. He gave them into the hands of the nations, and their foes ruled over them. Their enemies oppressed them and subjected them to their power. Many times he delivered them, but they were bent on rebellion, and they wasted away in their sin. Yet he took note of their distress when he heard their cry, and for their sake he remembered his covenant, and out of his great love he relented. He caused all who held them captive to show them mercy. Save us, Lord our God, and gather us from the nations, that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Let all the people say, Amen. Praise the Lord. Esther 4, 7 through 17. Mordecai told him the whole story, including the exact amount of money Haman had promised to pay into the royal treasury for the destruction of the Jews. Mordecai gave Hathak a copy of the decree issued in Susa that called for the death of all Jews. He asked Hathak to show it to Esther and explain the situation to her. He also asked Hathak to direct her to go to the king to beg for mercy and plead for her people. So Hathak returned to Esther with Mordecai's message. Then Esther told Hathak to go back and relay this message to Mordecai. All the king's officials and even the people in the provinces know that anyone who appears before the king in his inner court without being invited is doomed to die unless the king holds out his gold scepter. And the king has not called for me to come to him for 30 days. So Hathak gave Esther's message to Mordecai. Mordecai sent this reply to Esther. Don't think for a moment that because you're in the palace, you will escape when all other Jews are killed. If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place, but you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for just such a time as this. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Go and gather together all the Jews of Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will do the same. And then, though it is against the law, I will go in and see the king. If I must die, I must die. So Mordecai went away and did everything as Esther had ordered him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Rebecca. Um, If you notice, I'm not Pastor Lawrence, and... We did have the actual passage read that was related to the sermon that will be preached next week, God's Sovereignty and Human Responsibility, but you can, this was a little preview, you'll actually hear the same passage, and this is a very important topic that most people want to know about, but I'm going to tell you why Pastor Lawrence isn't here and how we're changing things up a little bit this morning. So yesterday at about 9.30 a.m., um, Gina Yu, our pastor's wife, went into the room where her son was sleeping, Josiah, and noticed that he was kind of like in a frozen state and his eyes were rolled back. And she, at that moment, didn't know what was going on. She couldn't feel a breath. And she just, she thought maybe he was dying or had died. And she 
panicked, and Lawrence was here at the church at a meeting. She, Ryan LaFree happened to be mowing their yard, his lawn service company. He was outside, and at that moment, and God's grace that he, his weed eater wasn't on or anything, and he heard, he heard Gina. They called 911. Uh, Josiah was rushed to the emergency room. The good news is it was just a fever-induced seizure, which happens among uh, children younger than seven. Um, but the stress and just the long day that the youths went through yesterday. So we, we want to be in continued prayer for them, uh, particularly for Gina. This was just a really traumatic thing to see your child in a state where you just feel completely helpless, like there's nothing you can do. So we do want to pray for them. And then as Lawrence, you know, he just, he's, he literally told Eric and I that he's like, I felt like I ran a marathon, like his body was stiff yesterday and he was sore and just worn out emotionally and physically. And as we were saying, so what should we do for today? And he just said, there's a lot of prayer requests in our church. Can we just make uh, this Sunday a day of prayer? And uh, I thought it was fitting because when Esther hit the crisis, Esther and Mordecai hit the crisis, what do they do first? They fast and they bring their requests to God. And there are a lot of things that we need to pray for. We were praying in 2019 for Waypoint for just more opportunity to go out there and, and reach people and love people and point people to Christ in the community. But we're also praying for our own members and we're praying for each other. There's some long-term illnesses that have affected many of our people. There's some hurt and some pain that people are working through in the past and things in their lives and their sin that we're all struggling with that we're asking God to renew our hearts each day. We just have a lot to pray for. And we shouldn't always pray in crisis, but sometimes crisis reminds us that we need God. So we are going to have a time of prayer this morning. Um, like Esther called them for three days to fast, and we're not going to have a three-day fast. But I, we do challenge you as the elders of Waypoint to make fasting part of your, of your prayer life. And uh, we're going to continue to even set aside fat days of fasting for us as a congregation to do that either for a full day or for a few meals. Um, but for our guide for this morning, I wanted to take us to James chapter 5. And it starts off, and James says this, If any among you is in trouble, let them pray. This is the NIV. In uh, ESV, I think it's any of you are suffering. In the New Living, it says, If any of you are suffering hardships, let's pray. Let them pray. Um, and presumably the prayer that, he, that James is encouraging here. It's for the spiritual strength to endure the trial with a godly spirit. So I didn't have a whole lot of time to prepare this time, so most of my notes are from a commentator, a, a Bible commentator named Douglas Moo, as, and I just looked at kind of his thoughts on James. So he says that when you look at this in the original Greek and when you really see what James is telling them is to pray that God would give them what they need to make it through this, this suffering, this trial that God would either deliver them and, and get rid of it, or if it's not gonna, the circumstances they can't get rid of, that God would give them everything they need to make it through that. And that might be your prayer request this morning. Some of you might be in trouble. You might be suffering hardships. And today is a day where you can bring that to God. You can pray in your seat. We're gonna have a chance later where you can go up around the room. The elders and the prayer team will be around the room and you can just go to them and say, you may not have to disclose all the information, but you can be like, can you pray for me? I am suffering right now, and I need the body of Christ to pray for me. 
I need my brothers and sisters to be there for me. The next thing James says, is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. And we're gonna have a time where I'm gonna walk around the room and I'm gonna give people a chance to share some prayer requests with everyone. We did this last Sunday, but also to share some praises, briefly. Briefly share a praise. Uh, And we wanna hear, we wanna celebrate what God is doing. And then at the end of it, it says, if anyone is happy, uh, I think the ESV says that anyone is cheerful, uh, maybe British people wrote the ESV, uh, let them sing songs of praises. And that's why we come and we sing songs of praises every Sunday, because we always have something to rejoice about. We are. And then, uh, so this is a reminder to turn to God, that we need to turn to God even when things are going well. And not just in times of suffering. So it's interesting James inserts this right in the middle. And that's intentional. James wants us to remember that we don't only turn to God when times are hard. But we even turn to God. And we actually need God more when times when we're least likely to want to turn to God. We're like, God, thanks for giving me this blessing. All right, I'll take it from here. I don't need you anymore. I'll see you again when things go bad. And that's not the attitude. That's not a relationship. Imagine a husband and wife or kids and parents. Okay, mom and dad, thanks for giving me all this stuff. I don't want to see you again until I'm in despair. And that's kind of what Jesus is getting at with the story of the prodigal son. So we want to be the kind of people who rejoice and and praise God and turn to him even when things are going well. And singing is one way to do that. Yesterday I was at the Bulls game and Durham Bulls and it was fun. Packed house, firework night. And at the end, they played the song Don't Stop Believing as everybody's walking out the door. And everybody loves that song. It just, there's something about that song. And we have something so much better to praise than a silly song written from the 80s with a, with a decent, you know, beat. We have a lot to praise God for. And we're going to sing at the end of this worship service. So we're a singing people. We're, we're a people who need to praise and we need to sing together. So let's remember that. The next thing James says, if any among you is sick, let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. This is a call for those who are suffering from sickness to summon the elders, the leaders of the church when you are sick and need prayer for perseverance and for healing. This is Douglas Moo, the commentator. He says, therefore, it is natural that the elders with their deep and rich experience, should be called to pray for healing. They should be able to discern the will of the Lord and pray with faith, with the faith that recognizes and receives God's gift of healing. At the same time, James makes clear that the church at large is to pray for healing. This is in verse 16. Therefore, while not denying that some in the church may have the gift of healing, James encourages all Christians, especially those who are charged with pastoral oversight, to be active in prayer for healing. And that's why here at Waypoint, the elders, we pray for you. But Pastor Jim and and Bethany have also created the Waypoint Warriors. And they go through and pray for every member of our church. I'll get an email from Pastor Jim or one of the other Waypoint Warriors say, hey, we're praying for you and your family this week. Because they're they're working their way down the list. Because we believe in prayer here at Waypoint. And we believe that God's appointed certain people with just the gift or the desire right now and and the ability right now this time in their life. They want to take an extra special effort to pray for us. Every Sunday morning, around the, when we do our second worship set, they're around the room with yellow lanyards, and they're there to pray for you. 
They don't have any special magical powers or anything. They just are believers saved by God's grace who have the Holy Spirit dwelling in them, and they want to pray for you. Um, and I do want to acknowledge that this word anoint with oil. Some of you might be like, ooh, that sounds a little weird. So what I have is when today we are actually going to do this, if you come up for prayer, the, someone from the prayer team will take a little bit of oil and put it on their fingertip and just rub it on your forehead. Um, again, there's no magical power in this oil. It's not oil from the Garden of Gethsemane or Israel. You know, it's not holy oil. It's actually from the grocery store. It's just olive oil from Food Lion, I think, or, you know. So no, nothing holy about it, but the word anoint refers to a physical action that has symbolic significance. And David was anointed with oil uh, in the Old Testament. Jesus, sometimes when he healed people, he used a physical sign to help them remember. So we're going to practice this practice because it's here this morning. If you're uncomfortable with it, you can just ask the person, say, please don't. But it, for most of you, if, if you come up, they're just, just put a little oil on your forehead as they pray for you. And as you feel that, you can remember that God is with you. His presence, the oil is representing something symbolic that God is with you and, and God is with us. And, and we can trust that he, his covenant is anointing us and he, has, he loves us and he is with us. Then the next thing James says, if they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth, and someone bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save him, save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. This is how James actually ends his letter. This is the final thing. He wants us to pray for each other because he knows that all of us are going to be struggling with different sins and we need to turn to each other and we need to confess it to each other. So this will kind of be the last part of our opportunity to pray for each other. And, and one thing I do want to point out, this is really cool, is that the righteous man or the person in Greek, uh, in the righteous person is simply the believer. When, if you read this in the original context, it's not like there's this super class. What James is implying here is the person is righteous by virtue of receiving forgiveness through Jesus and they're part of the people of God. Prayer, James wants to make clear, is a powerful weapon in the hands of even the humblest believer. It does not require a super saint to wield it effectively. And that's from James Moo, who studied the book of James his whole life. Like, there's nothing in this language. The righteous person is all of us who profess Christ. We all have the ability to pray for someone. Even if you're a baby Christian, you're just barely figuring it out. The power of the Holy Spirit is inside of you that created the world and raised Jesus from the dead, and you can pray for someone, and, you can, and, and God will work through you. That's the promise of the Scriptures. And then the last part of this is, do you need to confess sin? Do you need to, to pray for sin that you're struggling with? Do you... You're a new creation in Christ. God has provided a way for you to receive his grace and be healed from sin. But we know that we're, we're broken people and we fall back into it. We're forgiven people. And one of the ways we live out this forgiveness as the redeemed people of God is to confess 
our sins to each other. This is a gift that the body of Christ, the body of Christ that we have is the ability to confess our sins to each other. Now, at first, this is really hard. Nobody wants to admit their flaws. But once you do, it's a beautiful thing. Because once you expose yourself and you open yourself and you, and you realize that other people are opening themselves, themselves to you, you have this ability to really grow stronger and grow closer to each other and grow closer to Christ. This is how groups like Alcoholics Anonymous and, and, and similar groups actually work because the person has to get to the point where they confess that they, they have a problem. Well, all of us have a problem. All of us need to accept God's grace and to remember that we're forgiven, but we're, we're still broken, sinful people. So that's why James gives us this command. So I don't have, I'm not going to go into much more today, but you guys get the essence of what God is asking us to do. And if you're in a small group, the goal of our small groups here at Waypoint is for us to be able to be these communities that share with each other. And then in your small group, you're probably breaking up into even smaller groups, a group of guys, a group of women getting together, sharing with each other. If you don't have this person, ask us. Ask the pastors and the elders. Come, come find me or Pastor Lawrence or Eric or, or Pastor Josh or one of the elders and, or, or one of, your small group leader and say, I would like another level of the ability to meet with someone to talk to about what's going on in my life. I feel like I don't get to share. You don't have to share in the big group, especially if it's something really personal, but we can set up ways for you to be able to do this. So for this morning, I'm going to put this up and there's, there's five things that James mentions. The first one is, are you suffering hardships and need prayer? Are you happy right now and you have a praise to report? Are you sick and need prayer? Are you struggling with sin and need prayer? And the final one is, this is kind of how James ends the passage. Are you wandering from the truth and need prayer? I, not all the time do all believers always be like 100% confident in everything. There are times when you're going to struggle, when you're going you're to have questions, you're going to have doubts, you're going to have fears. Sometimes they're related to these other things. When hardship comes, you're struggling in your faith. I'm a pastor. I've struggled in my faith. I counsel people all the time who struggle in their faith. It's, it's okay to struggle in your faith because all of us need to turn to God and trust Him. Even if you read the Psalms, oftentimes David is asking God, he's questioning God, he's crying out to God. So struggling in your faith or, or, or asking God, is this true, is, is part of the process of us growing as a Christian. So if you are struggling, the best way to really work way through it is to share it with someone else who can pray for you, who can help you, who can point you back to Christ. We all need each other. There's that story where uh, the guy's... There's this guy, and he can't walk, and his friends want to get him to Jesus to be healed. So what do the friends do? They literally cut a hole in the roof. Imagine if someone cut a hole in your roof to bring the man down. And when Jesus saw their faith, the friend's faith, it says, when Jesus saw their faith, you know, it was their faith that healed the man. There's some times when we just need someone else. We need to tell someone, hey, I'm struggling I'm struggling with these sins. I'm struggling with doubt and fear. And I need others to, to walk alongside me. So these are five things that we're going to pray for each other this morning. One of them is actually praise. So what I'd like to, how I want to start the time, let me explain to you what will happen for about the next 15 minutes. I'm going to walk around the room and I'm just going to give people a chance to share either a praise or a prayer request that you want to share with, with the whole congregation. 
Then after we've done that for a few minutes, we're going to have people stationed around the room. They're going to take some of this oil, and they're just going to be a chance for you to ask for prayer. If you don't want to disclose everything, that's okay. You can just share the basics, and, and they can still pray for you. Um, and if you need more prayer than just this morning, we, they can help set up an opportunity for you to have that. So at this time, I'm just going to see, is there anybody, I know Pastor Jim's going to share, but is, if there's anybody else who would like to share either a praise or a prayer request with the congregation, this is time to do that.